0: Talk Back Matters. What is this going to get us? Where are we heading in? This year marks the centenary of World War I. It's seven decades since World War II. Norm was only 17 when World War II broke out, so he faked his age and got in despite having poor vision in one eye. But he nearly came home in a wooden box on the very first day in Port Moresby. Norm continues his story.
1: When you get shot at, you have a tendency to try and make yourself as small as possible. Yeah, right. Let's face it, more than once I had to dive down in the ground and try and try and dig a hole to bury myself.
0: Was there ever a time when you thought you might not be coming out alive?
1: Quite often. Yeah, quite often.
0: And what would go through your mind?
1: Well not a great deal, I'm afraid, but um at the quite they, they didn't get me, that's all. Yeah. I had a three A rifle. And uh, telephone over my arm, and so forth. Gee. And uh, some some tools. And uh, I carried that rifle for five, nearly five years, and I reckon I should have married the darn thing. <laughs> well, I slept with it and ate with it. And you tell me.
0: Did you have to use it much?
1: Uh, only once or twice, but I uh, wasn't uh, wasn't one of these front line. Infantry blokes. Yeah. Got all the uh, praise.
0: Do you remember when you were using it, specifically those moments?
1: Yeah. I tell you what, I, I wasn't exactly uh, a squib, but I wasn't any hero.
0: What sort of thing was going through your mind? Do you remember when you were doing that?
1: You asked me to remember back a heck of a long time, yeah, you? Yeah, I
0: know, I know. But I was told you had a good memory.
1: Well... How can I put it? I'm Senior Vice President of the Fleming Seventh Division Association nowadays.
0: Yeah, that's right. Tell me, what was the one incident that stood out the most that you remember when you were over there?
1: One of the silliest things I come up against was the first day I landed in Port Moresby. Yep, We went out to to some tents put up for us just... uh, or a quarter of a mile this side of the main aerodrome, a seven-mile or Jackson Strip. And a uh, sergeant called out to me. He said, Norm, he said, uh, the early Asian officer's line over at the Strip there is uh, out of action. He says, uh, and they w- they'd like it repaired. He says, can you take your phone out and fix it? So I followed the, followed the main telephone line. They're all tied up on, in trees in a... Or maybe 20 or 30 lines at a time. Yeah. I had to trace this line through and uh, finally uh, found the brake right in the middle of a fuel dump. And the fuel dump was only a quarter of a mile, less than a quarter of a mile away from the main uh, airstrip. Yeah. And uh, what happened was, of course, one of the trucks had uh, pulled the, ripped the line down when they were delivering these uh, 44-gallon drums of fuel, and uh I turned around and uh found the vine and just when I was repairing it a flare came up, a red flare came up from the drone, uh warning us that there was the a were coming over as their bombers. Yeah. And here's me sitting in a in few thousand gallons of <laughs> octane petrol
0: in this fuel dump.
1: In up in the middle of an air raid.
0: Sitting target.
1: So I thought to myself, uh, the, the silliest thought I had in my life, I said, to me, i get hurt doing this sort of thing. <laughs> well, you got to have a sense of humour, haven't you?
0: You do, you do.
1: That was the first day in New Guinea.
0: Wow. <laughs> so during that time in New Guinea, I mean, what was it like trying to sleep at night knowing that you were at war, knowing what the next day might bring.
1: Well, put it this way, every night in the week there was a Japanese air raid. It's constant. Yeah. You got so used to seeing the planes you didn't even bother looking up at them anymore. Yeah. If you looked up at them during an air raid with the uh, barrage of uh, anti-aircraft shells going up towards them, each one of those shells burst into shrapnel and they come down and if you were Silly enough to be outside your tent and looked up at the wrong t- time, you'd probably get yourself uh, your face cut off with a piece of shrapnel. Wow. So uh, we were warned about that. We had to wear our tin hats, of course, but that was only part of help. Yeah. Part of, a, part of help with it anyway. Yeah. But uh, we got used to that sort of thing. It's just part of life.
0: Yeah, right. Did you lose many close comrades?
1: I lost a few, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes, uh, that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah. Are you amazed that you came out of it?
1: Uh, Well, I was a bit lucky, I guess.
0: How did you manage the memories once you'd returned, once it was all over?
1: Well, it didn't didn't worry me a great deal. Okay. No, no, I don't think I ended up with uh, post-traumatic stress or any of that fancy stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah. Did you have a faith at all that helped you through?
1: Oh, faith, yes, well, yes, I'm an Anglican. Are you? Yeah. Good on you. In fact, I last week I played the organ at a local church. Did you really? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm quite uh, active in in uh, religion, I suppose, fair enough.
0: Did you find that it gave you a peace while you were uh, in New
1: Guinea? Put it this way. If it wasn't for the Salvation Army blokes during the war, I reckon we would have had a very poor time. Wow. They certainly did a lot of, lot of good work up there. Very wonderful.
0: What's one of the things that you remember that they did?
1: Well, put it this way. If we had to write a letter or anything like that, uh, sure enough, the, uh, the Salvation Army tent would be uh, available to uh, get some paper and envelopes and so forth. With wow. All that type of stuff. Amazing. They were there. Yeah. All the time.
0: What is this going to get us? Only a naked heart. Normansor, World War II veteran. Light and Life. The Salvo's weekly radio show.